Coming up on Studios America, Glenn Beck joins me to preview his upcoming discussion with Governor Ron DeSantis. Nancy Pelosi pisses off her socialist friends and kind of embraces the free market, you know, at least in her own corrupt way. Now, here at Studios America, we do not condone vandalizing any annoying liberal property, of course. However, we do condone putting stickers on their backs like a kick me sign because we think it's hilarious. Wokeness is weakness stickers are now available. StuDoesMerch.com is the place to get them. Get 20% off everything. Uh, all the merch you can, you can shovel into your online cart there. Uh, the code is Stu20. And speaking of wokeness, the left is starting to get hit with the consequences of their own stupidity. Let's see how that's going for them. Mm-hmm. As we do, the progressive backlash. Stu does America. You know, I don't see how there could possibly be a backlash against these fantastic progressive policies. Uh, everything's going so well. What could possibly be the problem? Sure, we've got a little minor issue with inflation. And yeah, you know, there's some economic stuff going on that's kind of problematic. And sure, we can't really tell anymore if boys are girls, or girls are boys, or boys are boys, or girls are girls. We don't really have that one down anymore. And, you know, gender and race, they're not really solid concepts anymore. They're just this liquid, fluctuating thing. And, you know, sure, the murder rates are up. And, okay, there's a few things going on right now. And maybe there could be a backlash. Maybe a little bit. This is like we like to talk about this and uh, and talk about a pendulum. And we are on full-fledged pendulum watch right now. Pendulum watch! Because, you know, this seems to go back and forth, right? We've seen times in our past where maybe conservatives were in power for a while and there was a move to the left. Uh, and that always kind of swings back the other way. It does seem like it swings back farther and farther and farther and farther each time until eventually, I don't know, it just starts spinning around in bizarre directions. Uh, as Glenn always says, you, you don't want the pendulum to be swinging and then someone eventually just grabs it and stops it. That's not what you want. The pendulum does seem to be swinging back against these crazy progressive policies right now. And that's a really positive thing. And there's a lot of things going wrong in the world right now. But as we've seen before, some of the biggest moments and eras in conservatism uh, where conservative principles have really exploded around the country have been after liberals screw everything up. I mean, Jimmy Carter is the most obvious example. Things went so badly uh, uh, you know, with and around Jimmy Carter that Ronald Reagan, a guy who was seen to be this extreme, crazy, constitution-loving uh, nutcase just a few years earlier, all of a sudden won very easily and then won re-election in a landslide. Uh, this, uh, you know, there were times when um, when uh, Barack Obama was president, they were writing uh, full stories and books about how the Republican Party was going to be a regional party from now on. They're never going to win a national election again. It's over. Demographics are going to take over and they're going to sweep Democrats into power for decades and decades and decades. We obviously saw that didn't last very long. In fact, Zero presidents after uh, Barack Obama was Donald Trump. Now we have a swing back to the left as, as the left did very well in the elections in uh, 2020. 
Um, although it, well, very well is probably overstating it, uh, but they picked up some some uh, some seats in 2020 uh, and uh, in 2018. And they look, they have control of the government. They won a couple Senate races in Georgia under very strange circumstances. So, OK, maybe maybe they thought they had all this power. They certainly acted like they had all this power. Progressives really just dove in, you know, head first and said, we can't be defeated. We're going to look at all these crazy things we're going to go for. We're going to go for trillions of dollars in spending. And we're going to do all of these things that are, you know, fever dreams of the left previously. We're going we're gonna to go for it. We're going to try it because we think we can get away with it. As I've said before, Joe Biden is going much, much farther than Barack Obama attempted to go when he had 60 votes in the Senate. Joe Biden's trying to go farther with only 50 votes. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And and all of this craziness is combining into a soup that is making people kind of crinkle their brow and say, do I want to stand with these people? For example, one of the pieces of analysis that brought the uh, the left to the verge of uh, excitement um, was this idea that demographics were going to push these these sort of forces in ways that were impossible to slow down. You know, Hispanics are going to grow in uh, as population of this country and they vote Democrat. Uh, so eventually we just got to wait it out. Eventually, Republicans will not be able to win any elections. Of course, this is going to shock a lot of people on the left. Hispanics have brains. You know, they, they can they can do kind of what they want to do. If they see you're doing a crappy job, if, they're do, if you're doing things they don't like, uh, they're just going to change who they vote for. They're going to go the other way. A couple things that uh, Hispanic voters don't seem to like very much. Number one, Latinx or Latinx or Latinx, however you want to say it. Latinx is my favorite because that's the way Joe Biden said it. Uh, Latinx voters uh, don't like Latinx the word very much. Now, Latinx is not something that, you know, uh, Hispanic voters have ever used. In fact, if they, when they have the choice of what term they'd like to be called themselves, they typically pick Hispanic. The, a minority also picks Latina and Latino. Nobody picks Latinx. I think it's legitimately like 2% of the Hispanic uh, population pick that. But yet white liberal coastal elites force it on them. And all these media uh, outlets take it up. Because they want to make sure Hispanic voters know they're wrong about themselves. That's where we are. Another thing that uh, 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 Hispanic voters or Latinx voters seem to dislike quite a bit is unnecessary COVID restriction. Now, um, the Latinx community is known to be a very hardworking community. Many of them blue collar. Uh, many of those people were essential workers and needed to actually show up to work, unlike the, the white people typing Latinx on their blogs. And those people got to stay home. They got to be on their laptops at home, outside, whatever they wanted to do. Well, a lot of Latino voters decided, you know, we need to go to work. We need to continue to work for a living. They didn't like all their businesses being shut down. When they own a small business, they didn't like it just being uh, shuttered for a few months. They didn't think that was as funny as apparently a lot in the media did. So a new poll is out, and this is pretty amazing. Wall Street Journal poll uh, found that Hispanic voters are now split between Republicans and Democrats on the generic ballot at 37%. Another 22% said they were undecided. That is a bonkers number. 
That's not supposed to happen and rarely does. Yes, Donald Trump moved um, uh, Hispanic voters uh, in his uh, two terms a little bit toward him. This is a whole new step. Joe Biden is doing more for the Republican Party than almost any Republican president could ever do. So Latino voters are saying, nah, we don't really like that. Then another part of this is, you know, people who particularly people who live in cities look at the crime problem and say, you know what we don't want is more of this. And how do we get more crime? Well, one way you get more crime is getting rid of the police. And Hispanic voters, along with a lot of other people, are saying, you know, the pendulum you were saying just a little while ago was to the point where you were saying defund the police. Well, we don't like that at all. In fact, the communities that were saying they did like to defund the police just a few months ago are now backing off of it. Minneapolis was kind of a famous one. Obviously, that's the George Floyd situation. Um, and they have now taken... Um, uh, this defund the police budget and turned it back into a fund the police budget because they thought to themselves, you know what we don't like? All of our citizens getting killed and robbed. Here's what they say. Uh, Those some city council members lamented the mayor's police spending. They made few efforts to do anything about it. That reluctance was a stark contrast to just last year when Minneapolis found itself at the forefront of a national movement calling on leaders to move money from police departments to other services in the months after Floyd's death. That urgency faded as crime surged and the defund police message became a political liability. Minneapolis has joined other cities in walking back police funding cuts. It's a progressive backlash. How about in Los Angeles? Los Angeles, you know. Obviously, big progressive stronghold. They have a a famous shopping area uh, known as the Grove. And they are having a lot of problems with smash and grab type uh, robberies. Let me give you a picture of of this area now. It's now surrounded by barbed wire. Now, you might think barbed wire is it's not aesthetically pleasing. But what it is doing is stopping people from smashing and grabbing and stealing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of merchandise. And the problem is when you tell everybody, well, if you steal less than $900, we're not going to really do anything. We're going to give you a little misdemeanor. We might just let you go right away. People think, you know what I should do is steal $899. So now we have shopping centers in Los Angeles putting up barbed wire around the stores. We've seen in San Francisco where they've had to remove all of these Walgreens uh, from San Francisco because they couldn't keep them open. I was, uh, you know, I've been in cities. I was in a city uh, recently. It was uh, Nashville and uh, was in a, a Walgreens. And there are people walking around inside the Walgreens harassing you for money inside the Walgreens, not outside the Walgreens, but inside the Walgreens. Uh, and, you know, that's even better than when you had a situation where they're actually taking stuff and running out the front door with it. It's just it's just awful. Um, London Breed is the mayor of San Francisco, and she's contributed mightily to these problems. Unfortunately, uh, in July 30 on July 31st, she said this in a press conference. This is a story about it in the press conference Friday. Um, the mayor said one hundred and twenty million dollars in funding will be redirected from law enforcement agencies to instead be spent on addressing disparities in the black community. And this has been a trendy thing to do. Don't punish people when they get caught for crimes. Don't treat 
um, uh, drug offenses like they're really offenses. Just put, bring them in, let them go back on the street. Let people put up tents and, and go to the bathroom in the street and all of the terrible things that we know about San Francisco, many of them highlighted in the book San Francisco by uh, Michael Schellenberger, who I think we might have on radio tomorrow. It's going to be a, a really good interview because uh, Michael came out yesterday after uh, London Breed made a statement and was it seemed optimistic, a little bit of high praise from Michael, who wrote literally wrote the book about how bad things are in San Francisco. I want to give you a little taste of the difference from just July 31st of this year to uh, yesterday. This is the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed. And it's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the bull that has destroyed our city. We are gonna turn this around. This is a city that has a population of less than one million people with an over $12 billion budget. The residents of this city have been extremely generous in providing us with the resources we need to make a difference. And now, the priorities we need to make must be to protect them, must be to turn things around in their neighborhoods. When you are in a room full of people, I would say probably anywhere between 90 and 95% of folks could raise their hand and say that either their car has been breaking into, broken into or they've been a victim in some capacity or another. That is not okay. That is not acceptable. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Uh, it's interesting. I, I've been watching The Wire uh, lately uh, and uh, that, that could be a speech right out, of the, right out of that series on HBO from Baltimore. Um, so uh, Michael Schellenberger, who wrote this book, uh, has a bunch of recommendations, and it seems like they're going to at least they're at least giving lip service to trying the ideas he was talking about, and that could be something that's a huge move in the po- uh, positive direction. We'll see how how that goes. Uh, but the bottom line is, you can't lie to people about this. You can't spin your way out of your, your car being stolen as a politician or in the media. You can't spin your way out of uh, a relative of yours being beaten in the streets or being robbed. That just hits people too hard. You can't spin your way out of prices going up by 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% on goods that people buy every single week. You can't spin your way out of that. There's only so much power the media has, and this is hitting people hard. And they notice correctly that the reason these things are happening are because of progressive policy choices pitched by the media as having no downsides. Well, there are downsides here, big ones. Um, Let me go to another area here. Uh, This is uh, the Penn swimmer situation. Um, And this is Leah Thomas. Now, Leah Thomas is the uh, swimmer who uh, was a man and now is apparently a woman. Uh, Outkick has been able to talk to some of the people on the women on the actual team. Here's here's a quote from him. Uh, one of them. They feel so discouraged because no matter how much work they put into it, they're going to lose. Usually they get behind the blocks and know they are uh, that they all out trained their competitors and they're going to win and they're going to give it all they've got. Now they're having to go behind the blocks knowing no matter what they do not have a chance to win. I think that's really getting to everyone. And if you haven't seen Leah Thomas yet uh, talk. 
let me just uh, let me just show you this uh, female swimmer. I first realized I was trans um, the summer before in 2018. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. I didn't know what I would be able to do, if I would be able to keep swimming. And so I decided to swim out the 2018, 2019 year on the men's team as a man without coming out. And that caused a lot of distress to me. I was struggling, you know, mental, my mental health was not very good. Yeah, okay, was, yeah, I, I, I kind of, yeah. Uh, look, that might be the best, the nicest person in the world, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but clearly, when you're winning races by 38 seconds, uh, you're not, this is not a fair competition. He was second team all Ivy League as a guy. And now he's racing against women and destroying them and destroying their college athletic career. And this is just so obviously insane that even people on the left in the middle are saying, wait a minute, this is nuts. The pendulum is swinging back the other side. And that's why when we talk about the progressive backlash, this is what we're talking about. The pendulum swings and it comes back and forth. That's normal. But sometimes you try to make it swing so far, it's going to come back and smack you in the face. Just remember, and this is really, really important, and I hope the left understands this because uh, it's about to happen to them. Eventually, the pendulum swings back your way. So are you feeling like you've hit a wall with your investment strategy? Maybe you've been burned by the stock market one too many times uh, since the start of the pandemic. I have a friend who's like, I, I'm going to buy short on, the, on this market. And then it came, went up and then he turned, switched around and went the other way and then it went down. It's almost impossible to time. But you can invest in a resilient alternative asset class that the elite have been quietly doing for a long, long time, really for centuries. I'm talking about blue chip works of art. Artwork that's outpaced the S&P from 1995 to 2020. And while it used to be inaccessible to you and I, that's no longer the case. Masterworks is the $1 billion startup, uh, which is going after the exclusive art market, allowing you to uh, add iconic paintings from masters like uh, Picasso and Banksy and from every era uh, at a fraction of the cost, of course. Right now, Masterworks is giving uh, our audience here at Studios America priority access to their newest offerings. You can start by putting your money to work at masterworks.io slash stew masterworks.io slash stew. You got to see the important disclaimers uh, at, at the Masterworks website, but know that this is about investing in exclusive elite art, masterworks.io slash stew. I'm tremendously excited to have my next guest in studio. Glenn Beck joins me once again. His newest special airs tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern right after the show. He's here to tell you about it. And I believe he has extra special things planned tonight, including a guest uh, that is it's a pretty big name. Glenn, congratulations on your special for tonight. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Ron DeSantis is going to be on. Mm. And so if you haven't eaten yet, now might be a good time just to turn this off, get, you know, get your family together, eat, do whatever you have to do, and then come oh. back uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. I, and we are available on demand so people could come back and watch the rest of the episode later. But they don't. I mean, even if they do, they shouldn't. You know, 
I mean, you're on the show. You're technically mm. the executive producer of this show. Technically is a good word. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook fact check would like that. They right. would like that. They would be like, technically, that's true. But? It's misleading. Okay. <laughs> it's really misleading. <laughs> well, I hope yeah. you put this much effort into your interview tonight, at least. Um, you know, now, you've been spending uh, the last few months calling him Rick DeSantis. Are you going to discuss that at all with him? No, I don't think so. No? Mm. Uh, you're not going to... You're not going to you're going to mention that you've continually called him the wrong name because you barely know who he is. No, I've done my homework. I, um, I've got I've got lots of questions for my guest. Well, can I just I mean, what what kind of questions do you have for me on, <laughs> on that very impressive card that uh, this one right here? Yeah. Yeah. What what kind so, of questions do you have? Let's see the list of well, questions yeah, I, you have. For you, me. you ever see court reporters? It's a you know, kind of uh -huh. shorthand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of yeah. what that, that's. Just, uh, it's uh Okay, so it's DeSantis. Mm -hmm. That was had to write one. that one down. Well, yeah. I'm on for the special. Oh, are you, had are you to write... criticizing me for not remembering his name? Is that? Oh, is that? Is, is that, that what you're doing? Is that what you're See, doing? This, if you you could do this too and write his, his Ron here because I remember yeah. it's Ron. Yeah. But if you wrote Ron, you might remember his name tonight during the interview. That it's would be that an interesting important. twist. Do you remember when I was on Top Forty Radio and you first joined me? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say, uh, you know, I'd introduce the records as another super, super classic from that person. Yes. I, yeah. That was real. That really I'm happened. I'm kind of at that place right. in, my, in my political career to right. where Ron, Ron Rick, Rick, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Okay. So you do have him on tonight. This is not, uh, <laughs> not a gag. You actually do have him on. And, you know, DeSantis is, is fascinating. We were talking about it a little bit on radio. Mm -hmm. In 2018, this is a guy who's the underdog to become governor. He wins by 0.4% over a guy who winds up in some, some tryst in a motel with some crystal meth. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, other than that other he would have been a great Florida, governor. you know how to pick him. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to pick him. Uh, but he wins that race and mm -hmm. has now, in, in between 2018 and 2021, 20, turned into arguably the leader of the right that isn't named Donald Trump. I agree with that. So this is and in get. the same state where Donald Trump lives, mm. <laughs> and not sure how Rick DeSantis and Donald Trump get along. Do you? I don't know. In fact, yeah. I don't even know who Rick DeSantis is. It's Ron yeah. DeSantis. It's Ron DeSantis. Yes. I gotta stop. <laughs> this is gotta, gonna be bad, man. Should somebody write that down for me and put it in front of me or something? So it's I don't in your head him? now. I can it tell. It is. It is. It's gonna be it Rick is. DeSantis for the rest of your. I'll life. call him Rick at least. We should do a drinking game. You'll ah. be drunk by the end of the episode. We've got a power hour coming yeah, up. I yeah, mean, I don't yeah, want to yeah. necessarily get you started down that road, but it would be funny. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of <laughs> hit the Hall of Fame, you're yeah. kind of like, eh. Yeah, so <laughs> that is, yeah, what are you going to do after that? You, Am I going to get into the Hall of Fame to. two times? Right, no, no it doesn't happen. No. Okay, so Ron DeSantis. Yeah. He's the governor of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, so let me ask you this. Do you know, because you just interviewed Donald Trump as well. Yeah. Just the other day. Mm-hmm. It, what is the relationship between these two? Because, I mean, there's a, there's a Don competition. Don was in a good mood. I didn't ask him. <laughs> I didn't ask him about Ron, Rick, yeah. Ralph. I didn't ask None. him. None I didn't of the DeSantis ask brothers. Him. I'm going to ask him. Uh, I'm going to ask DeSantis. I'm going to call him that from here on out. Maybe that's why Bill O'Reilly calls me Beck. He doesn't know my first name. Mm. Uh, but I'm going to ask uh, Ron DeSantis about his relationship with Donald Trump. Because... Yeah, there is a because it, it would be good if they got along, yeah, and they wouldn't throw each other under the bus, and whichever one wins, the other one could be 
I'd like Donald Trump. If he's not going to be president, I'd like him as Speaker of the House. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, maybe DeSantis could be the vice president. And here's an idea. It doesn't seem like Never he's going be back thrown to... under the bus. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it yeah. doesn't seem like he's going back to Pence if he, if he runs, uh, Donald Trump. No, I don't think. Does not. I don't. I didn't need to ask him about. You didn't how ask he feels him about, about Pence. No. Um, okay. So DeSantis. Um, Isn't it weird that Mike Pence is running and like well, thinks he has a real chance? I, he first of all obviously hasn't announced that, but he is included in polls and actually does seem to do pretty well in the polls. Like if you take out Trump, it's usually Pence who's in the in lead. If it's not name DeSantis. recognition, name recognition, right? As it gets down that road, you think that mm -hmm. turns around? Yeah. Okay. So DeSantis. Uh, potential uh, nominee. Mm -hmm. the, the the reporting is that most of these other candidates have said, if Donald Trump runs, I won't run. DeSantis reportedly has said that privately, but has not said it publicly. Do you think that this turns? Then he's into not a... running, so I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do the show today mm. because I will just be talking to another governor. And not a potential presidential candidate because <laughs> Donald Trump is going to run. You think so? You're where? Where are you? You know, zero to one hundred percent. Where are you? One hundred and three. One hundred. Yeah, he's running. Yeah, he's running. I mean, I, it's his if he wants it. It would be very hard for anyone to turn that down, right? You know, I learned something about him though. He's not running because of his ego. He's not running because I'll show them. Mm -hmm. He's running because he really he feels responsible to his uh, supporters. Some of it's I'll show them. Well, you don't. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong yeah, on that. Okay. Yeah, some of it is. But I really think the leading thing with him, at least now, um, was uh, or is a sense of these people were right. Their country is under attack. My country is under attack. We both feel the same way. And I don't think there's anybody else that can do it. And I'm not leaving them behind. Hmm. Um, uh, we do make too big of a deal out of presidential politics. I know you're joking when you say uh, he's just another governor. I mean, he's done a lot of really good things. I mean, no, he, yes. his record is is really is really good. Um, do you see him as a standard bearer going forward? Do you think of it, is he the VP candidate? It, you know, I don't it, know. I, I you know, I'd rather have him if Donald Trump is president. I'd rather have him still in the state of Florida. Mm. Um, but we are going to need somebody if Donald Trump runs. We're going to need somebody in 2028. Um, because he, you know, obviously Donald Trump is one term and one term is not going to be enough. That's too far in the future. I don't want to think about it yet. It, it, it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, it goes fast. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the, the Trump interview. This is one that's airing in January on part, as part of your podcast. Nobody's seen it yet. We've seen a couple of clips of it. Uh, you guys seem to get along. Uh, mm -hmm. You had dinner with with him and Melania mm -hmm. uh, afterwards, She's which marvelous. is a bizarre experience, though. I mean, is, was it was it really cool? Was it fun? What was it? What was the? Yes, no. It's the whole thing is bizarre. Being there at Mar-a-Lago Mar mm -hmm. is bizarre um, because it's open to the public. Parts of it are open to the public, and so from time to time he'll just go downstairs to the back patio where we were mm -hmm. and have dinner with just a bunch of people who were there. From and, around town. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Members, and, obviously. Yeah, mm -hmm. members of the club. And, uh, you know, he just, and he'll walk through and be like, hey, Bill, how are you? It's just, it's weird yeah. that it's the president of the United States. Yeah. It's weird. Very strange. All right, let's look forward here. 2022, we uh, hear that Build Back Better uh, may be shelved until next year. Uh-huh. What are the most important things we need to look out for? What's the most important thing we need to be build trying back better. to do? Well, yes. Okay. Yeah. Build Back Better. Uh, I think that bill is going to be shelved, maybe. 
Um, I mean, that's what they're saying, but uh, th that has, you know, that has too many uh, pieces to finish mm -hmm. what they're started. If they don't pass those things and they don't get those things in, they can't do their Green New Deal garbage. Right. And they're not going to let those things sit on a shelf. I think that's going to be unpacked and gutted and buried in a bunch of other little bills. And you'll pass something that'll be, you know, for children without faces, we're going to get them noses. Oh, and this communist piece, <laughs> this plank is hidden inside of that. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the thing that we have to watch for is uh, anger. Um, the... Um, in a positive way, the backing off of COVID, I think COVID might just fade away. Mm. You know, it'll always be with us, but I think people are starting to stand up. Uh, and I think it's, I think it might just kind of come to a place. It's either going to get really bad, really, really bad. Um, and the virus just becomes Ebola. Right. Or it's just going to go Seems away unlikely. and everybody is just going to say enough is enough. Yeah, I think I, I, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on radio, but there was a, uh, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a long time and she's from New York City. And she, I don't think she's a conservative or anything. We don't really talk politics, but it was her tone was very much like mocking the people who are walking around outside with masks still. Like, I think that's penetrated beyond the crazy uh, conservatives and all of us evil people over here on the right that, you know, care about individual rights. I think it's really to everybody now. I think people are are really tired of it unless you're in those inner circles. Well, think about this, too, that you have. Um, it's really a badge. Mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a label that you are putting on your own face. And when this goes back, because I really, truly believe the left is on the wrong side of history. It's going to correct itself. It's only a matter of time. When you're remembered for that badge, you're going to look like an idiot, you know. Uh, if it got to a place to where it was really um, trying to kill freedom, you're going to be looked at as somebody who was way on the wrong side. Mm. But I, I think, I think the tide is turning. Um, now I know this is one of your most your favorite parts of the week, coming over here and doing the show uh, on Wednesdays. It's a big part of your. Yeah. Um, big, I know a big part of your planning uh, every week. You get yeah. prepared for it. I'm missing, uh, I'm missing time with my daughter right now, so hurry up. Um, if we were to advance, let's say, um, a year, and we're doing this interview a year from now, God which I know we we're going to be doing weekly until then. Uh, it's a Wednesday. I'd throw myself from the highest point of this. We're a few weeks after Four the... Four stories up. We're a few weeks after the election. What does this country look like? What does the economy look like? What are the election results? Give me a preview of the future. After the yeah. midterms? Yep. The Republican, Republicans get the House, and they get the Senate. So this time next year, mm -hmm. um, I think the economy is, I don't know, Stu, um, if they sober up, which they might be doing, um, uh, it, it, it'll be more of this. I don't know if they're going to sober up, though. If they keep going down this path and trying to destroy America, and America lets them, um, inflation's going to be really bad. Um, we could be seeing the rumblings of war, if not war. Um, I don't 
I don't know about China and Russia. Those are two wild cards that might play because mm. they've got three years to play in that sandbox and a lot of damage could be done. Um, I think the Republicans do win. I think they sweep. Um, and I think there might even be a birth of a new Republican Party. Mm. Now, will you show up for this interview in a year? No. What, what's your prediction? On no, that? not even. Not even? No. What about, I mean, early, maybe January, we pick this back up? This no, is you'll be, I mean, you'll be gone by this, gen I mean, I, I don't, what was that? I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, Glenn Beck, executive producer of this program. So he has a vested interest in its success. Uh, he is, uh, also has his own show, I guess. Uh, Ron DeSantis is going to be on it, or Rick DeSantis, one of the two. <laughs> Will be there 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the best way to watch, of course, your very own Blaze TV subscription. I don't like the way you treat me on this show. I really don't. You know, a lot I of don't. people write me and say, "Hey, I don't like the way Glenn treats you on your show," and I say, "I well, think I'm it's the all in good. Producer. It's all in good fun, right?" Yeah. Yeah. BlazeTV.com/slash/stew. <laughs> the promo code is stew. Uh, subscribe. Uh, I mean, it's only, you get 10 bucks off and you get great interviews like this every week. Glenn, thanks for doing the show. You did a great job today. Yeah. You know, sometimes people uh, are executive producers of shows and they're not, they don't do necessarily a great job, but maybe they do a great job starting a real estate company. Thank you. I just, I we mean, edit that out. no, we're, we don't, we don't make edits Nobody in the watching. show. Okay. Well, Glenn Beck, the guy who just walked in front of the camera, started a company called realestateagentsitrust.com. Why did he do it? Well, he was complaining about people he worked with. Uh, so he's something he's very good at. And he's been thinking about it for a very long time. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the best place to go to get the real estate agent in your area that can make your real estate transaction go smoothly and get you the best price, get you the most for the money. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Check it out now, despite Glenn. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. A judge in Texas has ruled the Texas abortion law unconstitutional, saying it uh, violated the state's constitution uh, because it allows private citizens to sue abortion providers. Now, look, I've talked to you a lot about this law as it's gone down. And, and as I mentioned many times, um, I am very much in favor of the results of this law if it leads to uh, fewer abortions here in the state and anywhere else. Um, I, I am a uh, nonviolent pro-life extremist. That's kind of who I am. That's who you're getting on the show. That's, that's, that's my vibe on that particular issue. That being said, I don't think this is the right way to go about it. And I think we would probably not like the results of what happens if this law does go through, because we've already seen, uh, I mean, Ron DeSantis uh, is, uh, and Glenn might talk to him about this tonight, has started kind of an effort to go down this road with CRT. We may very well like the results of that one. However, when uh, Gavin Newsom is doing one on the Second Amendment, will that work? I don't know. Probably not. 
but some other liberal is going to do it on buying SUVs because it's bad for global warming or whatever. You, you need to have something that is uh, that goes through law enforcement, uh, in my view, to enforce laws. I don't think this is the right way to go about it. It's a novel legal approach, but I don't think it's going to wind up holding up. I think the real challenge is the Mississippi law, which uh, we should hear about next year, whether it overturns Roe versus Wade, hopefully, once and for all. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has decided to overturn um, a rule with the with Congress. Uh, she has rejected a stock stock trading ban for mem- members of Congress. She says, and this is just so authentic coming from her. We are a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that. And that's just so so honest and truthful coming from her because she's been such a warrior for the free market for so long. In fact, she is um, single-handedly fueled the ice cream market in this country by buying $9 pints of ice cream all over the country. So uh, she's obviously in love with the free market. It's interesting how Democrats seem to find a love for the free market when it benefits them, when they can trade on insider knowledge. And that was actually the rule for a very long time until our friend Peter Schweizer basically got that overturned. Uh, She wants to still be able to profit um, off of what she knows, and she's going to try to make that happen. We'll see if any uh, flack blows back on her uh, for that one. And uh, Elizabeth Warren, you know, it's hard to say this because you feel like it's, it's an almost impossible thing to quantify, but she may have uh, produced the world's dumbest tweet. Think about how difficult that would be to do. And, and how would I even tell that it was the world's dumbest tweet. There's lots of really dumb tweets out there. How do I know that Elizabeth Warren has uh, come up with the world's dumbest? Well, let me give you my case here. She tweeted, let's change the rigged tax code so that the person of the year will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off of everyone else. That's what she wrote uh, about Elon Musk. Musk uh, responded, said, stop projecting and uh, linked to a, an opinion piece from uh, that, that showed that Elizabeth Warren's uh, Native American history was a fraud. And then she, he also added in just some insults. You know, you remind me of when I was a kid at my friend's angry mom would just randomly yell at everyone for no reason. Please don't call the manager on me, Senator Karen. But the most important part, and which, what shows that Elon Musk, uh, you know, and his tax situation is not the right thing for Elizabeth Warren to be uh, tweeting about, He says, if you opened your eyes for two seconds, you would realize I pay more taxes than any American in history this year. Don't spend it all in one place. Oh, wait, you did already. And that's why it's the dumbest, I think, the dumbest tweet of all time, because she's saying uh, he's paying zero taxes and he's actually paying the most in history. You can't miss by more than that. We were just talking about Elon Musk, who's certainly a disruptor, who's changed so much about our country in such a short period of time. And uh, disruptors are everywhere. Uh, things like smartphones and streaming services. Um, uh, there's there are, you know, even uh, electric cars and SpaceX and all the solar stuff. And there, there's so much of this stuff coming down the road. And 
It's, some of it's really amazing. Ladder is a really innovative company as well. If you haven't heard of them, they basically took on the uh, entire life insurance industry and flipped it upside down, shook out all the inefficiencies and all the problems. Before Ladder, if you wanted to get life insurance, you had to drive across town and sit through the sales pitch and fill out a ton of paperwork and then wait like six or eight weeks to find out if you've been approved or not. With Ladder, you can get fast, affordable term life insurance without even leaving home. It's 100% digital when you apply for $3 million or less in coverage. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. If you're between the ages of 20 to 60 and you need coverage and want to team up with a company that's redeeming life insurance and changing that entire world, choose Ladder. Go to ladderlife.com stew to see if you're instantly approved. L-A-D-D-E-R, life.com stew. It's ladderlife.com stew. We've got a brand new Christmas song for you to enjoy this sort of socialist penetration that is happening in our country around the holidays. It's always something that we'd like to get together and, and love on a little bit. Uh, there's only one place you can get this song. If you go to my podcast page, whatever provider you have, just look at the most recent episodes. and You'll see one of them that says it's beginning to look a lot like Venezuela full song. You can listen to it as much as you want. Subscribe, share it with whoever you want. Enjoy the holidays, our Christmas present to you in these socialist times. It's beginning to look a lot like Venezuela Everywhere you go From Maduro and Chavez to Ocasio-Cortez Pelosi, Kamala, and Senile Joe It's beginning to look a lot like Venezuela Soon we'll all be flogged At dinner you'll need to bring Your favorite seasoning For the roasted dog Well, there's a mountain of and the criminal threat It is such a socialist treat A band of marauders Have captured our daughters And amputated my feet The reindeer have been murdered And the elves have all been beat It's beginning to look a lot Like Venezuela Oh, the kids have frowns The tree is red and green It is splattered with blood and and Santa Claus is not coming to town It's beginning to look a lot like Venezuela Soon we'll lose our soul But the thing that will make us cry Is the painful way we die As our heads all Temperatures higher from all of the fires And rampant is the disease There's some execution and much destitution And I am covered by fleas And have you ever noticed that the water smells like cheese? It's beginning to look a lot like Venezuela Begging for some food But the thing that will make us flee is the worthless currency Holy crap, we're screwed It's beginning to look a lot like Venezuela We're Venezuela Caused Biden fell 
We are only a couple days out. That's incredible. From from Power Hour, the Christmas party. Go to stewdoespowerhour.com. Uh, the Stu Does America Christmas Party Power Hour. One shot of beer per minute for an hour with our fantastic panel. Chad Prather, half-Asian lawyer Bill Richmond, Jason Buttrell, Sarah Gonzalez, my wife Lisa Page will be here. Uh, and I will be here as, as well, uh, just making an idiot of myself. There's been a lot of trash talking going on, by the way, I've noticed, at stewdoespowerhour.com. People kind of going back and forth at each other, saying who won the Power Hours. There's no way to win a Power Hour. That's not... It's not what happens exactly, but still, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we make idiots of ourselves for your enjoyment and your entertainment as sort of a Christmas present to you. StuDoesPowerHour.com. There's great merch there if you want to get involved in that. And we encourage you, if you are home and safe and protected, to play along with us. We will uh, see you tomorrow.